I myself, I have a hard time eating the same thing for breakfast every day. I have a hard, you know, I, I like variety is the spice of life. So I think that's something I try to infuse. That's part of my whole self that I enjoy like sort of sprinkling in. Hello, welcome to Statement Mondays, where we explore how different women harness their identities at work. I'm your host, Natalie Munster. And if you need a reason to be bold today, here it is. Today is Statement Monday. Our guest today is Vicki Chang, who is currently a product manager on Facebook's new product experimentation team. But the catch is she started her career in tech after dropping out of a chemistry PhD. In this interview, Vicki tells us how she maintains the thread of constant learning and how she's run her own kinds of experiments in her career so far, having had multiple teams and roles at Facebook. She also encourages everyone to quit something in their lives. Makes you think a little bit, right? So I specifically chose this week's episode to feature a second product manager in tech. The first was Kate Park from last week at Tesla. And I did this because I think it's valuable to listen to the similarities and total differences between their personalities and working styles. I'll comment on some of these after the interview, so be sure to stick around. And one final thing before we jump in, this will be the final episode of season one of Statement Mondays. I'll be taking a few weeks off to go do some more interviews and just work to make the podcast even better. So hang tight and you can keep up to date by following our Instagram at Statement Mondays. All right, here's Vicki Chang. So I'm Vicki Chang. I'm currently a product manager on NPE at Facebook. NPE stands for New Product Experimentation. And I've been at the company for seven years and some change. Before that, I was an organic chemistry graduate student. I was in a PhD program. I mastered out of that. So I have been in a couple of different industries, but only one company and many teams at Facebook in the last seven years. What would you say is your public identity? Uh, And this is at at Um, work primarily. Yeah. Nowadays, I would identify myself as a PM, but it's something that I actually think has taken me a lot of time to like come into. When I started at Facebook, I had just come out of my chemistry masters. I mm. you know decided, okay, science is not the field I want to be in. So when I joined Facebook, I think because it was a lot smaller and I just was just excited to be there, I didn't think a lot about public identity. I was just sort of in awe of being at this big company and having a job that was going to pay me and feed me. <laughs> um, and over time, like I realized your identity is sort of some amalgamation of the people you're around, the way that you talk to them, the way that you interact with them, how they see your work. I feel like the work piece probably ladders up to a lot of reputation, like early on in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband's an engineer and I've always, I've had a lot of friends growing up over the years who are engineers. So I've always enjoyed really understanding the nuts and bolts of difficult things. What is the most difficult part of your job? And how do I, you know, as much as we want to build empathy with our users, how do I build empathy with my teammates in a way that really like builds camaraderie on a team so that everyone feels equally engaged and really bought into whatever we're doing? So I think like some of that comes from being in science, the parts that I liked about science most were the collaborative parts or the teaching parts. What I realized is when you're new to an industry or when you're new in your career, Mm -hmm. you have to do a lot of learning and then down the line, if you can sort of pass that forward, pass that on and teach others, that's also really valuable. So I guess talking about it more out loud, I would say like my identity at work is I, I try to I try to lead by example. I'm like more of a silent leader. 
I, I enjoy, I enjoy and worked really hard to get to the role of being a PM, but I also think that I enjoy just being with a bunch of people and working together as opposed to just being like one person in a leadership role who's so far detached from the team that they're working with. When you were talking about how you like getting into the nuts and bolts, it made me think of the trait of being really thorough. That would be, I guess, one way that could bridge getting into the nitty gritty and not just being an overarching leader. Totally. I would say that one thing that was hard for me about science is you have to be like needle focused. And so you almost ignore collaborations at the cost of the one thing that you're trying to work on. And I found mm -hmm. that wasn't really enjoyable for me. I enjoyed looking at how a bunch of things come together. Being able to be like multilingual with all of your teammates is another flavor of being detail oriented. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's the kind of thing that when I work on a team with someone else who does that, you appreciate it, but you have a hard time articulating what it is. So there are some public traits, public identity traits that I think are pointable. And there are other ones that sort of are like the tide that lifts all boats or something like that. Do you think that you have a robust enough identity or one that transcends your role? Or do you think you're a kind of a different you play a different role to each person that you work with. I, I tend to be malleable in situations. I enjoy working with every partner, every type of discipline at the company. When I was on a big project at Instagram, I worked with lawyers and policy people. It, it was the first time I think I could tell you exactly every single role that exists at our company mm. and what they do. I think that people would all say like the coalesce identity of me, but their description of my working style might differ depending on the other people and meetings that we're with together. Okay. So when you say malleable, you mean kind of chameleon, just depending on the situation you're in or the different people you're with? Yeah. And I, and I think that has its pros and has its cons by far, like I think the more senior you are in leadership, perhaps the more predictable you want to be because you know, people are going to bring things to you to review and it's helpful for them to have a very clear expectation of like, okay, you know, so-and-so leader, they want all the data at the beginning and then they want the conclusions next and other mm -hmm. people, you know, want you to lead with qualitative findings or something like that. But I think until you reach that level of leadership, you can sort of be a little more personable and at least like be a little more candid, which is, I, some, I think, something that I enjoy and have found myself enjoying with other people that I work with. Mm -hmm. So then how have you grown at work? Yeah, I think one thing that has shaped how I, how I think about bringing myself to work is that I've switched teams and quit things before. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think I tell people like at some point in time in your life, you should quit something hard stop. And for me, that was quitting grad school. <laughs> And I think for other people that comes in the form of a relationship or it comes in the form of quitting a company. Um, but it's, it's not a trivial thing, right? Like it, it requires, it's a serious trade off and it requires a lot of introspection of what went well. Like, you know, you do like a personal postmortem of sorts. Well, what could have gone better? That kind of thing. But in choosing to actively quit something, you sort of get a chance to restart. And every time you get a chance to restart in a new environment, I think you get to reflect on like, okay, what were the things that made me successful in that last environment? And so I think every time I have 
switched teams, you know, the parts ring with me still are like, Hey, I'm Vicky. I want to know how you do your job. I want to know how we can work together. Like I think learning has been a consistent thing that I have not changed. Whereas, you know, when I was on a team with very, very, very senior engineers on the blockchain team, I realized I was really timid, extremely timid. And that meant we didn't get as much done as we needed to. I have been on a team with extremely opinionated engineers again of a different flavor. I realized I, I have to like stand my ground and we can have healthy debates as opposed to just having people barrel through and sort of dominate the conversation. And so I think like every time that I switch environments that I'm in, I learn new things and I come at it with a learning mindset. Mm-hmm. But I find that if I'm really thoughtful and I'm aware of the situation I'm in, I'm able to realize that, oh, okay, I've maybe like experienced something like this similar before and it didn't go well because of this. So, hey, try it this different way. Mm-hmm. And only I think when you really find yourself in new scenarios, are you able to compare and contrast more crisply as opposed to things that are very, very similar to each other? It's harder to do that compare and contrast. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds like it's just one giant experiment. How do you decide when it's time to quit and go to a different place? Like, is it just you've decided you're done learning here or you've picked up just the right things that you need or you see something else that you prefer to do? So when I was quitting grad school, I realized as a scientist, people ask you to explain, you know, your experiment. What are your criteria for? Did your experiment work or not? And so I realized I needed to like come up with criteria for why I was quitting grad school. Mm -hmm. So back then, um, what I realized was you should stay in grad school if you have like one of these three things. One is you love the subject that you're working on. It's the only thing you could ever imagine yourself working on and you wake up and it's all you can think about. The second is maybe you have an advisor who is just the the most guiding force that you've ever had in your life. They are training you to be the best scientist you could ever be. And those people are hard to come across. So like that is compelling enough for you to stay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or the third is in the absence of loving the thing that you're studying and a really great mentor, you know, in your research, like you can be surrounded by other people who are studying the same subject as you and other people who help make that environment wonderful and who enrich your learning experience. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any of those three things, It's a really rough road. And I realized that there's a corollary to that for like, you know, the job that you have. You look at the product that you're working on or the subject area that you're focused on. Do you love that? Is that the thing that at this point in your life, it's like that you really want to double down on and think about? Mm -hmm. Uh, If not that, then like, do you have a manager who helps you find interesting things to do and who helps you grow and find the opportunities you need? Do you love your team and the people you see in the office every day? And I realized those three things sort of like map similarly one-to-one as they did in grad school. But there's also this additional dimension, which I think has been a forcing function for me to switch roles at times, which is, do you see career growth on the path that you're on? Right. And you can be happy and you can feel like you're working on projects that are helping you learn. But if you're not advancing your career in a way that brings you satisfaction, I think you start to feel stagnant. That's something that also like shouldn't be overlooked. Got it. Now I can picture the whole Vicky of like foundation in science applied to entire life or career at <laughs> least. Uh, it's, it's almost a framework, a very scientific framework that you, you've been applying. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. So then do you bring your whole self to work? Yeah. Oh, 
I thought this was actually the hardest question that you have. I think that I will all answer it to say in smaller groups, yes. I think it's in safer spaces or in working groups where I've built that community and have that safety and respect, I would say, like bringing you know, your whole self to work is a lot easier. There's this project I worked on at Instagram. The entire working core working group was basically women. Mm-hmm. And so it, it made it such that we could bring a dimension. I don't, have you ever played the game set? Uh, I, I hear you set. rave about it and I, I played it okay. once. Yes. Um, it, when you play set, like you look for cards that are either all the same or all different in some facet. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're first trying to teach people how to play, you usually like um, just get all the red cards on the deck. And you basically simplified by removing one dimension of how people need to think about the mm-hmm. characteristics of the cards. And I kind of mm-hmm. feel like when I was on this team of all women, you just, you like alleviated one odd dimension. This is all a safe space where we can like talk about forgetting our lipstick or our chapstick on our monitor and everyone else will get it or other people who were moms could say like okay I'm running behind the kids are going to be screaming in the back of this call but like no one batted an eye for it and so I think part of feeling like I can bring my whole self to work is being in an environment where I think other people feel that way as well and it's maybe it's one of those things like chicken and the egg how do you how do you bring yourself whole self to work until you are around other people who do that it's a double-edged sword. I both feel the freedom of bringing my whole self to work because I can sort of write the story from scratch. But then also like you kind of want to get a feel for all the people you're around and understand sort of just what is their style and how do you be malleable to that? I think when I find myself really comfortable with a group, I, I feel a little bit more of myself and kind of like, I'm a little bit nerdy or a little bit fun. Um, Right now in this crazy work from home, I have started, I mean, for the last three months, uh, coming up with random ways to order ourselves for stand-up. At first it was like, oh, well, alphabetize all our names. And then it, you know, evolved to like, okay, I will think about where we all live in the Bay Area and we'll go from north to south. You know, and the most recent one, like, I'm going to figure out what the Scrabble value is for all of our names. Oh, and my order by that. <laughs> um, did you do this you know, for yourself just, or for, or, or like the whole team? You do this process with um, the whole team. I do it for the whole team. So when, when everyone dials in the stand up and I'm like, Hey, today's order is blah. It, it adds a little bit of, um, idiosyncrasy to our otherwise sort of groundhog day mm-hmm. lives. And I, and I think that's, that's a part of me that I myself, I have a hard time eating the same thing for breakfast every day. I have a hard, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like, Variety is the spice of life. So mm-hmm. I think that's something I try to infuse. And when I feel like I'm in a, an environment where I can do that and feel safe with the people there, that's part of my whole self that I enjoy like sort of sprinkling in. It's great when you reach a level of familiarity and camaraderie with teammates where you can talk about not just you as an individual, but like, hey, I spent time with my significant other over the weekend or like, mm-hmm. you know, we're celebrating our anniversary and you get a feel for who everyone is and how, like, what comprises themselves. It's almost like a positive feedback loop. Yeah. The more that um, you bring yourself to work, your whole self to work, and and hopefully, like, make that environment a place where other people feel like they can do the same. More and more of that happens. Definitely. And as a quick follow up, do you think that's 
been beneficial to you? Yeah, no, I, I mean, going back to that project that I worked on on Instagram, like I, that, that was the most successful project and it, it, I don't have any pets, but like, you know, the PMM, she would talk about how they got a new puppy and Mm. then like other people would talk about their kids. You felt like you were working with people who trusted, who trusted you with parts of their lives, you know, that made themselves whole Mm. and, and that made you feel safe to trust them people who like give each other grace at work where it's like, Hey, you have a piece of toilet paper stuck in your jeans or, you know, someone who like gives you grace and helps you out along the way. I think like builds a trust between the people as well. Like a trust. And I know they're going to get this work done. And if they need a little extra time, if they forgot something, I'm there to help them out and support them Mm -hmm. and not point out their mistakes, that kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. because you know, they would help you in the same scenario. Time for a quick break. So we've heard about Vicky's love of understanding her teammates and building empathy and trust with them. And we've also, of course, heard how she ended up as a product manager to begin with. But one piece of advice I haven't heard from many people is that you should quit something. And I just want to point this out. I honestly think the hardest part of quitting is probably not the actual action, but the lead up and... Vicky says she reevaluated whether she was getting these three things she wanted out of grad school mentorship, love of the subject, and an enriching environment. And she was honest with herself and eventually decided, nope, she wasn't getting those things. And then she made that big decision to try something else. Her trick here, and also throughout her multiple teams at Facebook, is to always be reevaluating. So next, we'll hear about her moment of invincibility as it relates to her work on Instagram for GDPR, which is the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation. So basically, very strict data laws. And she also will talk about a thought-provoking activity that she learned from a leadership camp she facilitated. If this is your first Statement Monday's episode, I want to quickly describe for you my last question that I always ask. And that's, what are your heels? What this is really asking is, what is one facet of yourself or trait or item that you bring to work, literally or figuratively, that gives you strength and confidence every day. All right, let's get back to the interview. Um, So then, Vicky, tell me about a memorable moment you felt (laughs) invincible at work. What empowered you? Yeah, so I have a photo that goes along with this, but um, in the spring, for about six months, from like December of 2017 through technically May 25th, 2018, which is when the GDPR came into effect. Um, Mm -hmm. I was leading this entire GDPR effort at Instagram. It was this project where we worked with comms and policy all the way through product and data science and uh, content strategy and every, like every single discipline. I loved like getting to learn across all of these different roles. But um, the invincibility moment was that there were two parts to it. Instagram every Friday, usually the founders, Kevin and Mikey, they would get up and they would do a Q&A. And then first time I'd ever really gotten to have some public speaking experience was I, you know, they were like, hey, this Friday, we want to talk about GDPR and you're running this project. So why don't you get up and you're going to be the person that speaks for just three minutes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd never done it. But the IG comms person, she was really generous with her time, like did a couple of run throughs with me. They have like magical people who make your 
PowerPoint slides look beautiful. And just being able to stand up and wear my favorite like pink corduroy jeans and see, you know, my teammates in the audience and present that felt really invincible. Like Mm -hmm. I practiced, I'd done it, you know, I had my colleagues in the team and I wanted to do them right. And just having that experience under my belt felt so wonderful. And I would say like the bookend invincible moment to that is at every Instagram Q&A, Kevin and Mikey had started this tradition where they would hand out an axe, like a Paul Bunyan axe that was bolted to a little board. Um, you know, and, it, and it's like the equivalent of like passing around a, a trophy or something to mm-hmm. like the best XYZ of the month. But they would do it every week. And this was usually for someone who made a really big fix or like been really critical to a launch or, you know, a community effort at Instagram that had done something really great for Mm -hmm. the people who are creators on the platform. And I got the axe one week um, after we had shipped all of our stuff for GDPR. And it was, I I think like I maybe thought, you know, our team would get it, but having your name called and just like walking up to a room full of people, like applauding you who you don't really know who everybody is, but, Mm -hmm. um, I felt invincible in that moment where I like, I think in the picture, I'm just like, have the cheesiest grin on my face in that moment. I also think something that comes with invincibility or feeling empowered is like um, a true sense of deserving, which I think like as women, mm-hmm. oftentimes you, you think, Oh, I lucked into this or, Oh, we did it as a part of a team. Mm-hmm. But like in that moment, getting 30 seconds of clapping, I think really culminated in that, sense of invincibility that you're you're asking about Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was that was a really really wonderful moment I I think everyone who's ever like been awarded the axe is still the same person who they were before and I would say the same thing about myself but um I think this is a wonderful question and something that like is joyful to think about Mm -hmm. um, and that I hope everybody has a moment that they can identify like that Mm -hmm. and so from I love your description of the core feeling behind this invincibility was that you deserved what you were receiving. And it it also sounds to me like part of it was external appreciation for the work you've done, even though from, you know, from knowing you and from the beginning of the interview, it doesn't sound like you do it for the recognition. You do it for the team members and you do it for, I don't know, the company. Um, and do you think you needed that recognition for, for doing great work? Do you think that just like gave you a little boost? that if in an alternate universe it had been like a team recognition of the acts i i would have been just as happy like 120 yeah. percent just as happy mm-hmm. and like i remember you know in our working group i like posted a picture of it to everybody and i said you know i feel like i got awarded the axe but this is actually an axe for like all of our spouses who like <laughs> put up with us doing occasional work on the weekends and yeah. this is um, you know, the, the axis for like all of the unhealthy food we ate while we were reviewing an email late at night, you know? And so like, I, I think in that moment for myself, I felt a very big sense of empowerment and, um, invincibility. Mm. But then outside of that, like I said, like everyone who wins this, like they sort of resume whatever their normal mode is. And I think my normal mode is just realizing that the best kind of accomplishment for me personally is the group style accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, because the joy that naturally grows on its own, if, you know, I, I, I applaud all the people in the world who are able to live their life single and pursue all their life's passions when you're in a relationship with somebody or when, you, when you're able to share joy with somebody mm-hmm. you you get joy yourself and then you get joy from the joy that the other person has mm-hmm. uh, 
And I think that that feeling is also like really wonderful and like an empowering thing. You know, I, I, I look back on that moment fondly for myself as an individual, but then also recognize very much so that without the group of people that I did it with, it wouldn't carry that same amount of joy um, and probably wouldn't have been like as impactful of a thing. I, I have to wonder like people who are selling me champions, you feel really accomplished. Um, but that's really only one thing that you can share by yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's, that's one type of joy, but when people are on a team together or something like that's its own, it's a, it's another flavor of joy. And I think I like that flavor more. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say I love being on a team with you because I can also just tell at least when we're in the workplace, especially sitting next to you behind you that you do get a lot of joy out of bringing joy to others. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, <laughs> of course. And then what is your life motto? Uh, huh. That is a good one. Uh, I, I don't know if I have like one life motto. Another way that I, 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 I will think about it, but another way that I might frame this answer or something is mm-hmm. I used to be a facilitator for like a leadership camp for college students. And we do a bunch of activities with them to help them figure out how, how do you be a leader? What kind of leader do you want to be? What's your style? And like more than just doing say like a Myers-Briggs with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to do this activity where we give everybody a piece of colored construction paper that had a t-shirt outline on it. And we'd say like, Hey, everybody's going to wear a t-shirt. We're going to give you a clothes pin and you're going to pin the, you know, the t-shirt to your shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and on your shirt, we want you to write what your top five values are. It was a very naked activity where like we're all wearing clothes, right? But like I thought, oh, we could do this in like 10 minutes. Why do we have 45 minutes booked for it in the schedule? But it's the kind of thing like when you make people sit down and you say like, okay, here's a huge list of values that you can have. Like fun can be a value. Originality can be a value. Hard work can be a value. Um, what are your five values that you would write? And I, I, I did this activity for the first time, I think in 2000 and seven maybe. And I've actually like stuck with those same five values that I have. So they're mm-hmm. inclusivity, passion, knowledge, fairness, and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know that I have a motto. If I had a motto, it might be always in search of learning or something like that. Every time you do that activity, I, I love watching all of the college students sit and think. And then, you know, after they've written down their t-shirt, we just walk around the room in silence and everyone kind of like stares at each other's t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very enlightening experience to like see up front what combinations of values people put together. So yeah, I, I know that doesn't answer your question exactly. That's but a great answer. What I thought of. Yeah, it's a great answer. And I also imagine that the hardest part about it is just an inner conflict in these students with regards to whether their values are something that they already embody or whether it's something they aspire to be. And they're probably all, I mean, that's what, that's what it would be for me. It's like, oh my gosh, I, this is a value, but I don't know if I embody it yet. Like, do I deserve to put this on my shirt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's the kind of thing like when, when you see, also, if you just ask someone to do this activity, like it's hard to think of what a value is. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, part of the materials that you get as a facilitator in this program is like, Hey, here's a piece of paper that just has a hundred values on it. Yeah. And, and like that 
just seeing all those values side by side on a piece of paper, I think helps people have that inner conversation with themselves. And we don't necessarily prescribe that these have to be things that you already do, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, but then, you know, winning is one value that you see on some kids' t-shirts. And, and that's totally a great value. And I think a lot of people that we work with probably have, you know, but it's like, I, I think in this exercise, you, you see all the students doing it and you recognize, okay, when we like put groups of people together to do other activities, if you can remember different people's values, you try and at least expose them to uh, other campers who have different sets of values mm-hmm. just so that they get some of that flavor. Because I think we naturally uh, tend to spend time with people who are similar yeah. to you. Um, and then you don't get that exposure and you know that has its own effects and whatnot so yeah yeah yeah. then in one word or phrase what are your heels yeah uh my original answer for this is going to be my birthmark yeah Uh, and when I was a little kid I think we don't spend that much time looking in the mirror and at least like being a 90s kid or whatever, you don't, we didn't have like video chatting all the time. So you spend less time staring at yourself in a video screen. Mm -hmm. Um, So my birthmark is something that I wasn't always that aware of, but I think like other people would be super aware of. And I only got self-conscious about it when other people would point it out or something. Mm. But then I think as I've gotten older over time, like it's kind of this fun, unique trait for me that it's, it's a very visual manifestation of being different. And I think as people age and we get, we turn into adults, like it's, there's so many other things you can talk to people about other than like, Oh, what's that thing on your face? But it's, it is a thing now when I see myself in the mirror, like, Hey, I, ha- I have a very unique part about me. And I bring that with me wherever I go. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of realizing that even if I wore the exact same clothes as everybody else, like if we all went to a private school, but like mm-hmm. if I went to private school, I would be different because like I have a birthmark. Mm-hmm. And so I think my birthmark is maybe more of like an emblem for my heels or something like that. Yeah. Definitely. And then, um, and then I think like if I had heels that I brought every day to work, it would be like, like a bubbliness of wanting to bring people in and then sort of like doing that at the cost of self-embarrassment almost. Um, whether that's, you know, our weird stand-up orders. I, I would say like, I, I don't think I'm like the most fashion forward person, but mm-hmm. sometimes I'll do fun things with my hair or just try to like be different to help diversify like what people get. And whenever they're like welcome posts, you know, in groups at work, I, I try to ask a question of some sort um, because I kind of feel like when you're the new person to a group, you don't know anybody. And how do you start to feel like you fit in? Like, oh, well, like usually someone asks you something and you share something and that starts spurring these chain connections. So like heels put another way is like you are sort of superpower or something. Mm -hmm. And I would say trying to be welcoming and bring people in has been something that even, even when I feel awkward doing it, I'm reminded that the person on the other end might feel even more awkward. Mm. Um, And that's, that's okay. Like it's been the kind of thing that as you do it more over time, I think it starts to feel second nature and not so weird after all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I noticed pretty quickly that that's your thing. Every time someone joins the group, they (laughs) always ask a question. And I love that nature of yours to always try to bring someone in and be inquisitive. Yeah. I, I think like everybody wants to 
find a unique aspect about them and share all the things that maybe help connect them with other people until they get an opportunity to do that. You know, sometimes I think people need to be invited to do that. So Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be the inviter, so to say. That was Vicki Chang. I'd like to talk about Vicky's driving desire to learn and her love of variety, of switching things up, you know? These two things actually go hand in hand when we think about where Vicky started, and that's chemistry. What? Vicky has fully applied her scientific way of thinking into her job, which I think most people would probably not tell you that product management is science. But when I was talking to Vicky, it just felt like experimenting with your job and, you know, changing up the environment and the communication and the people you work with. It just sounded like that is the best possible way to learn, especially if you tend to be more of a generalist like me. So Vicky picked up things from each experience that she had, and she could apply those learnings then to future iterations. So I'd encourage experimenting, whether you're a generalist or a specialist, you can always stick within your area of interest or specialty, but still experiment with different aspects of the regular requirements or the day-to-day. And I also said earlier that I'd compare how Vicky Chang and last week's guest, Kate Park, approached their work. Remember how Kate said in her executive meeting that she was most concerned with representing her team well? Vicky said that exact same thing when talking about the Axe Award that she received for her GDPR work on Instagram. She just wanted to do her team right when representing them on stage and would have been just as happy if the whole team were named, not just her. Seems to me like that might just be a key to success in the product management route. Now, while Kate never mentions her age at work and is very focused on being able to convey ideas well, it seems to matter less to Vicky how she's perceived, and her public identity is more malleable. Her heels are a bubbliness of wanting to bring people in, as she said, even at the cost of self-embarrassment. Her wild thirst for learning comes right back to that idea of experimentation in her career. So Kate and Vicky clearly have different superpowers, but they're both really great at their jobs. And finally, Vicky referenced a couple suggestions that you can use to get a better sense of who you are as a person. And don't worry, I'll link them in the show notes on our website, along with a picture of her winning the axe when she was on Instagram. So one that she talks about is to write down your five core values. And it's basically the t-shirt exercise that Vicky talks about at the end. Pick out five things that drive you in everything that you do. Are they things you embody already or are they things that you strive to embody? So the second one is Vicky said something along the lines of, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I've heard this before. And thinking about my five people, I would be really proud to be a mix of them all. So big news, this is going to be my last episode of season one for Statement Mondays. If you like this content, please still send me an email or DM me on Instagram but I won't be releasing new episodes for a few weeks to give me more time to interview more women and to figure out how to make Statement Mondays even better. And if you've made it this far in this episode, that means that you're a super fan of mine, and I am so glad to have you. So I want to tell you about a special Statement Mondays bi-weekly newsletter that I have. 
And I'm opening it up for anyone to join now. So you'll basically get to see the behind the scenes for how this podcast is made. So just email me, natalie at statementmondays.com if you want me to add you. All right, fam. Thank you for an amazing season one. And if you haven't already, please subscribe uh, or follow Statement Mondays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that you know when the first episode of season two comes out. And remember, be bold, because today is Statement Monday. I'm Natalie Minster, and my intern is Mallory Pilon. You can learn more about me and Statement Mondays at statementmondays.com or follow us on Instagram at Statement Mondays. I would love to hear what you think and any ideas you have for season two. So please, please, please get in touch. I'll see you a few Mondays from now. Bye.